Hey, and thanks for listening to episode 11 of the USM podcast. And on this episode, we have Pat McGuire as our guest. Really good lifter. He was one of the 3,000-pound squats that happened at the Ghost Clash meet in February. A 635-pound bench. Really cool guy. Really funny guy. Definitely a true New Englander. We obviously get into programming. We really get into depth about recovery from a thousand pound squat what it's like and what you have to do to recover from a thousand pound squat a little bit of salt topic thrown in there a lot of fun stuff so hope you guys enjoy it and i'll see you in there so i didn't grow anybody here until i was 25 just none that's shitty that's not entirely true i had some you can't see what we're doing right now, Pat, but we got a, a setup on my back foot, like patio. And Sean's in like a little kiddie pool right now. We're all kind of like sitting at a bench. Chilling. Oh, this is Florida right now, dude. It's like cold up by you, freezing, snow. Yeah, rub it in. He loves that, though. He didn't like being down here when it was hot. Yeah. He said this was miserable. He wanted to go back to his 30 degree sleep. It was horrible. It's horrible. horrible. Yeah, what are you doing yeah. right now there, are my you, guy? Are you like selling? Uh, a little bunny rabbit. <laughs> it is a bunny rabbit? It is a bunny rabbit. He's making you a rabbit right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. He's just coming up. The kids want bunnies. Is that recording? I swear I get more dick pics from bears than like most females. It's awful. You get. <laughs> yeah, what is, what are, I would say like, what is what is like the majority of your uh, your audience like look like as far as people that respond back to your stuff on Instagram? Uh, it's either like college kids that are are interested in in the math side of of the tomfoolery that I get into, or it's just like three hundred and fifty pound guys who went in the gym for the first time and they're like, "All right, shirtless men, I'm in." <laughs> I think the last text that I got that I just ignored was, "What's your dick look like?" And I'm like, "Nope." Nope. Nope. I mean, Garrett Fear and his standout, he's got all these old, old white men just paying for him to lift in their basements. I haven't quite gotten that yet. It's just all, all the guys who are like, oh, you made a joke about OnlyFans? Hell yeah. Make it 10 bucks a month. I'm subscribing. Show your dick. And I'm like, no. I think the average total on this podcast is over 2K, right? It's yeah. over. I, I dragged that down way far. <laughs> you're a math guy what's like looking at like the top percent of like a population of things what would that term be not a median not a mode not a average mean you guys are in like the fourth standard deviation see so probably like the pop, top 0.01 percent the outliers yeah yeah mean median mode it's neither of those maximum did everybody see that louis simmons died <laughs> I watched Westside versus the world that night with Kiko, like in 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 memory. The documentary is intense. Those guys. I haven't trained. watched it in a while. It's a good ass documentary though. I've seen it a bunch of times. It's just crazy to like watch. I mean, obviously there's a method to it, but those guys were just tough. You know what I mean? Like it was just like a tough environment. You train with nobody. They were just like a squad of like ten dudes, just like talking shit getting through the paces if you're not hanging like you're getting left behind you know what i mean it's like brings a whole different element to like what their training was like i literally feel like they were just a group of friends that like beating the shit out of each other and wanted a socially justifiable way to do it i don't even think (laughs) it's like put this on your back and fucking squat it i don't even think a lot of them were i mean they were like 
they trained together, but like yeah, they, they weren't really friends. They didn't well, they hang out they outside. They hated each other. Yeah. I think they're only just meats related shit. Yeah. I'm more curious if Louis Simmons is donating his body to science so we can see what like 50 some years of anabolics did to his body. <laughs> On that movie, really? bigger, faster, stronger. He said it was like 40 something years. That yeah. was like 2008. Really? Yeah. He lived to be like 74. It's a long ass time. Arnold's in the 70s too. He still uses it. Everyone who said the juice was cutting down on your lifespan is wrong. We were just talking about, man, outliers and meat. Like, what's the data really look like on that? Like, you can focus on a few cases. There's also... Is there even a way, like, to do a science on that, though? I mean, you just have to just, like... Somebody would just have to make a study and do it. Let's just abduct a bunch of children, inject them with tests and try and see how long they live. Isn't that what Russian special forces basically is? Pretty much. That's Naz. Since WW2. I mean, you got the Florida man where it's PBR and, and Russian man, which is just test and trend. The same thing, right? Russian man. Uh, like Giga Chad. Like <laughs> that, that Russian model I got Photoshopped. He's real. He's a real person. He's real, dude. He doesn't look quite like that, but <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dude, I feel like Florida man gets a bad rap. New England, New Hampshire area and stuff. You guys are up in like the mountains with all those trees and lumber. Like, there's some, like, there's some pretty, like, New Hampshire fucking shit. You know what I mean? Okay. I don't know, Tom Brady changed it. I don't know, Tom Brady, since he's been down here, he's changed it a lot. He oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, here's a, a question. A lot of that's Bill Belichick. New Hampshire. Losing that. Is New Hampshire flannel? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Total flannel. Explain the flannel story. Oh, the flannel joke? No. Flannel or not flannel? Craig Foster. Not flannel. No. No. I'll wear it if I have to, but I'm not like something. Well, else. it started with music, right? So it was, is this a type of genre we could consider like this music, right? Like, so. is this person that listens to this wearing flannel? And now everything in life can be deduced by, is it flannel or not flannel? Yeah. When I think of flannel, I think of easygoing, chill, a little uh, a like rough around chop, the edges. Like to chop down trees on a Saturday morning. Yeah, but also, chop at Tilly's. That's what I think. Yeah, there could be yeah. nice flannel. They're wearing Tim's. You guys are wearing like boots. Tim's are boots. No, Tim's are different. Oh, <laughs> Explain the difference Tim's. Yeah. You know what, Craig? What? I'm gonna go full hipster mode. I'm gonna find you a pair of Doc Martens to wear. I'm good. I'm gonna take you to the castle in Ebor. <laughs> drop you off with all the weird goth chase. Slides in the Oh, can you drop me off there too? Yeah, yeah. Pat, you're coming. Yeah, footwear wise, I feel like. I only ever see Craig in slides, notorious lifts, or the Jordans on Mead Day. Or when we go out. Those are like his three exclusives. Or Nike Romaleos that are two sizes too big. No, they're right. To fucking get the right size to squat in. <laughs> While Pat, they work, also being thousand pound squatter, footwear consists of barefoot, Crocs, and slightly illegal slippers to uh, a powerlifting meet. Just I only had those slippers because barefoot wasn't legal. Explain to, explain to everyone what you did, though, if they haven't already seen that, because I thought it was pretty fucking funny. So I went to Walmart, and I went to the, the grandpa shoe section, where basically it's you can just imagine a grandpa just shuffling along in these slippers that have, like, rubber soles. I bought a $5 pair of um, 
slippers, but I knew that the R- WRPF required that it had to cover the heel for some reason, which made Crocs illegal, so I couldn't use those for bench. Sport but, mode, you're uh, covering the heel partially, though, you know what I mean? Like, you're still kind of playing within the rules. Yeah, yeah. They don't want you going all-wheel drive on a bench, you know? Yeah. I, I even asked Alex, and he said, no, there's still, what was it, sandals? Nah, you, you got more chicks with sandals. Crocs are, they're, they're those visual birth control. But what I, I took those grandpa like Birkenstocks with socks. That's that's wintertime, only when it's snowing though. You know, Is that flannel? Nothing's worse than getting like a chunk of snow in your croc and you, you start slipping and sliding around. It's cold. Are you gonna barefoot the croc or are you gonna sock the sock the croc? You barefoot the croc and you until you start slipping around, then you just baby powder it. Turns out the baby powder is better than more than for more than just deadlifts. I feel like a pair of long Nike black socks with a white check in some Crocs is a pretty tough look. I'm just going to sit there and say that right now. White's probably, but it depends on the Croc. I'd say it's a tough look because it's going to be tough to get laid wearing that. Yeah. Well, dude, looping (laughs) back to that slipper story. So he wears those slippers that he cut the bottom off of that are $5 from like Walmart or whatever. Never worn them before the day of the meet and then squats a thousand pounds twice in these fucking basically socks you know what i mean i mean that doesn't surprise me because pat watching you warm up too was the most arbitrary thing i've ever seen (laughs) such a fast just a fast one just like just well didn't give a shit about rack heights on like bench uh just like like me yeah that's fine i'll figure it out what's on there Uh, 265 great we just did a plate all right like i'll take a 140 pound jump Eh, whatever i mean for you i guess that's like 30 percent or whatever but you know you just did not do anything i could see to any rhyme or reason like yeah i'm close it made more more sense than whatever dan was doing yeah you talk about math terms outlier of an outlier like he's literally a percent of a percent I figure that, that his programming is he just takes a bunch of Coors Lights, crushes them into like as, as small as possible and just throws them on the floor and reads them like the bones. Ah, this is what I'm doing this week. He, he, he reads the runes of the bones. <laughs> <laughs> he just competed today and he hasn't, I think he squatted once or twice since the meet we did yeah. in February. Bench like once or twice since his, he, he did 1074 today. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. I don't know if he did more, but that's we, the one I saw confirmed. Like, <laughs> what last week or the week before is like he felt beat to hell because he's been peaking basically nonstop for three months. <laughs> yeah, ten thirty. Like ten fifty or something too. Yeah, yeah. He, he pulled a hairy. Yeah, he, I talked to him about the meet. He told me he wasn't even going full send. It was like oh, it's a little warm up. So Enough I heard Dan that's what he say told he's me. not going full send like four different times. <laughs> Any time after that, he, he breaks a world record. Full send. He yeah. breaks a world record. Yeah. I felt it that day. I went for it. I'm like. <laughs> As far as somebody that he's not going to sit there and post on Instagram all day long about this, that, or whatever with lifting. He's too busy being a diesel no, mechanic. But I, I, it's like, it's, I can't think of somebody more passionate about just like competing itself, like on the day yeah. than that guy. Like he shows up and it's like, he gets like fucking yeah. super psyched up day up. You know what I mean? Like, I love, but, com- I love competing with him. It fucking just brings another level to me. I've done it a and few times now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at, at the end of the meet today, he he put his wraps and shoes on the platform. He said he's still competing, but that's something like you do. Like when, I think he just means like as far as like UPA meets, like he's he's probably done doing those. But um, either way, it's fucking like just that's just an outlier. Like barely has to train, but still sits there and puts up crazy numbers. Whereas like 
Greg or I, like the way our training's set up, we got to do literally like 20 week buildups. You <laughs> know what I mean? To get into that level and still can't touch it. Yeah. Coming off of that meet, like two, three weeks afterward, I was already feeling just trash, like sore, weak, like it's a quick, like you, you peak hard and then like you got to start like all over again kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God, no more meat preps because I couldn't do another one. Yeah, Craig's, Craig's a slim three three fifty nine the other day yeah. at the gym. Oh, big meat here yeah. already. <laughs> He's stoked. Three thirty five, and then like really start pushing the cut down to three hundred eight. I think yeah. you can do that. I'm gonna have Craig running a four forty here in a little bit. You Go should incorporate football. Days. You should sleds or start having them do stuff like walks in the in the parking lot. Do you do anything like that, GPP stuff? Uh, I do a mile walk after every day. I yeah. just go up to Planet Fitness and just go for 24 minutes. So I've been doing, like, walks in the morning and stuff. But I started doing, like, a little bit of, like, sled stuff where you just, like, you throw, like, two or three plates on the back of it and you just walk in the parking lot. And it's kind of, I mean, I don't know. I think that kind of stuff is good, just general GPP work, especially for if you're trying to drop some weight, dude. Like, it's yeah. you don't have to go far to sit there and make it, you know, you're out of yeah. breath and, like, you're sweating pretty good. Sometimes I'll get pro- – oh. oh, go ahead. You're good, brother. Oh, sometimes I get programmed, like, eight by two at 70%, 10-second rest squats, and we're usually puking by the third set, Jeez. if that counts as GPP at all. That gives me an idea. <sighs> Yes. Dude, I would I would like you to explain the pulse the pulse rep deal to Sean because you like you'll do like volume work and then like that's like your last thing and so like you know when you you write accessories for Craig and I like you put like 50, 75 or 100 whatever tabs. He'll do these pulse reps and they're like they're barely moving but like I watched a video when you talked about it where it's like you're basically still accumulating the time under tension. the time under tension without yeah, yeah. doing the full you, you explain it better You're more are you basically doing myo reps he does like 50s them? 50s 40s uh, i just do an amrap with it uh, it's um it's basically increasing the time under pressure but assuming that paused reps um develop negative muscle memory at at the the point wherever you're pausing um because we greg noticed that doing like we used to do triple pause squats where we'd uh pause in the middle pause in the hole and then pause halfway up. And we found that we were developing slowness wherever we were pausing. So um, doing the pause reps, you're, you're do- increasing the time under pressure, but you're also training yourself to be explosive right off the chest. Um, and you're basically getting as much work or if a third of the work done uh, with accumulating less than a third of the fatigue. Um, uh, like the time usage you're not like grinding your joints as bad as doing a full rep locking everything out Uh, okay interesting he does like a ton of like yeah i've seen him do that i've seen a lot of lifters do that you know like 455 for like or like 400 or something (laughs) like that for like a good like i don't know 20 or something like that i feel like i saw yeah i I did 440 for 45 yeah Yeah. (laughs) jesus but i think that's because it's like for him like that weight's not super submaximal but like it's it's just handling that it's like when you give us like big like board overloads where we sit there and we do like a yeah. ton of like i would say triples but like it's going to add up to probably like you know 15 close to 20 reps worth of work but you're yeah. getting that kind of like overload work where you're yeah. not doing everything all the way through yeah to me it's kind of like the same idea of like why people use bands to keep tension um it, on like dynamic effort because like if you're moving such a submaximal weight if you move with like 
100% force like you're supposed to, that bar is going to become weightless at some point during the lift until your body catches up to it. Like, you know, you can hear like the plates chink. Yeah. You know? So even off yeah. the chest, you can pop, and then the bar is technically weightless, probably about two or three inches off your chest. And then you keep driving, and gravity kind of catches up. The band keeps the tension the whole way. So it's kind of like a different way of doing that. You're keeping tension through the whole rep. Yeah, basically doing the rep until it's weightless at that point. Yeah. And then pulling it back down, making sure the, the plates jingle. It's great yeah. for Christmas time. No, Craig's really good at that. You guys are both like kind of watching you both like bench. Like you both do that where like you have a really like the last little lo- bit of the lockouts, like where you punch, you know what I mean? Yeah. You guys are built like pretty similarly, but you both <laughs> bench very differently. I feel like where Craig is like, he's like, they said the lockout's probably the best for him where he kind of doesn't, it's not like a heave, but it's like, he gets like a good, like little bit of like loads it up and then springs Push. it out where Pat, you're really like, you're almost like barely touch, you know what I mean? But you get like that. It's kind of like, I don't know. It's, you guys are built the same, but you bench different. You know what I mean? The, and the way you kind of both finish out. Yeah, difference in leverages, probably. I got T-Rex arms. I same. Dude, Craig has the smallest, T-Rex arms. smallest little big arms I've ever seen. Smallest little big arms. <laughs> you know, I just, I just figured out a way on. to even shorten my stroke, basically, with benching. And, like, figure out how to kind of arch. Once I started wearing a belt... I learned how to get a little bit more of an arch to tighten my back up a lot. And that's what kind of made me do that a little bit better. Yeah. I, I had trouble cause I was cramping in my lower back um, above like 97% every time I benched and my coach had me put on a belt for a bit. And then I found out that it was cause I was overarching. I was putting the uh, erectors in a, in a weird funky angle. So whenever I was benching, it was, it was stressing those out and I would end up twisting a little bit. Yeah, I've so- never had that. I also think like when you get bigger and you have that much more tissue back there, it's there's a lot more getting compressed between the facet joints of like your spine. And so like it's probably easier to cramp because the pressure in between those is loading into the muscle tissue. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that, obviously bigger guys can't arch, right? The bigger you get, I, the fatter you get, like it's harder to arch. That's I can fit about a fist in my arch. I don't I mean, need that's to. Pretty, yeah, that's the same. Yeah, about a fist. But like you compare that to like, you know, well, obviously, you know, women are built a little bit differently and are generally a little more flexible, but uh, like even like smaller guys, right? Because if, if we're considering that like joint space is the same, relatively speaking, for height, but then you remove all the extra tissue, that means there's more of a gap for that facet joint to move. You can get a better arch before you start going like joint to joint and like basically bone locking. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like if you're trying to overforce that extreme when you have that much tissue there, you're there's something that's getting pinched and you're going to feel that when you, you get a cramp or you, you know, it feels like it's seizing up. Just speaking like deductively here, just like, I have no science to back up any of this. Thing. Yeah, no, you're throwing science. That's <laughs> yeah. Outside of Prolepin's chart, is there really any science in lifting? I find it's go in, do the best you can, eat a lot, go to sleep, do it all over again tomorrow. With some really good math backing yeah. you. I feel like that, like the, the, the longer I keep doing this, like, the more I feel like the math is not as important as the effort put in on the day. But the the math helps dictate how much effort you're going to. The math is like the map. The math is like the map quest directions. Like you might find little shortcuts, or you might want to take a scenic route here and there, but it keeps you trending towards the same destination. And like, but really, it's like the purpose of the road trip is to enjoy, you know, the trip and like get the enjoyment out of the even every moment of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a super terrible analogy, which... But... Well, I'm saying, it's, I, it's I, impossible I, to enjoy a prep at this point. 
me with us. Well, yeah, your body doesn't want you to have a thousand pounds on it. Like it just does not. That's, you're not naturally designed to to load a cylindrical piece of metal on your back and squat it like that. Like so, you're gonna get fought the whole way. Like your biology just gonna tell you, no, this is uncomfortable. Don't do it. But I just mean more so that like yeah, the math is important, but like as far as following it to the exact half a percent every set every rep every scheme but if you're like bringing the intensity and you're pushing yourself through each workout right that's like why i think some people have such great success with auto regulation and rpe when they're more experienced because they can find like where is that recoverable effort level that i'm going to push myself to and then know also hey today i can't do 85 percent because i feel beat to shit you know but that comes yeah. with experience and on the flip side when you're starting out like you may think 85 feels like shit, but you're also only squatting like 155 pounds or 400 pounds. And well, I feel like that's where we do a majority of our work is between 80 to 85%, especially just like peak wise. Peaking, yeah. And then yeah. like when we're doing Two volume weeks. work, 65 to 75. 75. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that like, but what I'm saying when it, it dictates the effort. So it's like, if I'm coming in and I have like a 70% day or something like that, whatever that would end up being for me, you know, I'm like, okay, like that's a manageable weight, even if it's something where it's like, it's going to be more reps probably or sets that I'm, I'm typically yeah. used to doing. But I like, guess like my argument would be more like, what's better doing four sets of eight at 70% or saying, hey, go do two sets of eight, but find like the best heaviest set of eight you can do clean and really push the intensity on a fewer sets for the same rep scheme, right? Or, you know, doing more volume at a assigned lighter weight. That's what I mean. Like, if you bring the intensity and you're, you're aggressive in training, but you're not stupid about it, yeah, the percents are just more like they're setting upper and lower boundaries for you to work in to not work yourself too hard too soon or, you know. But if I'm left to, to push for a good set of eight, like, it's going to be a lot heavier than a, like, a yeah. program set up four sets of ten. Right, you know but, I mean? like, in, yeah. the, in the grand scheme of things, like, if you're regulating by rep counts like that. I would get the same out of both You would though. probably get the yeah. same impact and bang for your buck, relatively speaking. But it's just, like, what psychologically works for that lifter for um, adhesion to the plan. You know, like, what are they going to complete consistently? I want to get as hyped, least hyped up as possible until I need to get really hyped up. Until you want me to slap you in the face. Yeah, talk again. which is like once every like, it's like twice a year. Uh-huh, that's my shit. <laughs> <laughs> Where does he kind of have you work that as far as like, you're doing a lot of volume stuff right now. Like, is he, yeah. like, I don't think it's like, I mean, it's sub-maximal for you, but I mean, like you were doing like, I don't know, 440 for like, probably like 25 total reps or something like that the other day. Like you're doing like decent, I mean, you're pushing some good stuff right now. Well, uh, the block um, preceding a meet is hypertrophy blocks. So we're just doing like sets of eight, sets of 12, sets of six. Um, he has a program out there on Train Heroic, and I'm too cheap to actually buy it. So I, I kind of <laughs> just won it uh, based on conversation. Like, oh, this is what it is. Okay, I'll just do some shenanigans in the gym, actually enjoy myself for once. But once we get into power blocks, uh, he sets my uh, training max at 90% of whatever my max, uh, my best meat performance is, except for deadlifts. Uh, let's not talk about deadlifts, though. But he won't. I feel like you, yeah. pull the, you pull the decent chunk, like, in, uh, in training this time versus what I've seen you do before. And then I felt like, so when you were saying, like, I mean, it's for that power building block. But even, like, peaking-wise, I feel like you did a little less this time probably leading into the meet than you typically do versus that last prep I saw you do where you were trying 
thousand and then three, you know, six thirty five in the gym, like two weeks prior to the meet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I, I tore my quad on that thousand in the gym. So I ended up just not uh, competing or doing a full meet, mm-hmm. but I pulled seven forty five that week. Uh, and then took a week off and then competed, benched the 635 in a meet, tore my pec on it, but I still locked it out. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really train above 81% based on uh, 90% being the training max. And then he won't program anything above 90%. Mm-hmm. So sometimes he'll program something and it'll be like, he, he programs everyone exactly the same and gives very little like feedback it's it's more of like a communal team going on Mm -hmm. where he he taught a lot of people how to what to look for what perfect form looks like and then just have a comment kind of like a a, an ongoing forum on facebook but i'll program like um four by two um nine i I forgot what the number i think it was like 85 percent, which came out to 800 and then an amrap and then I learned that the bar rolls on me, so Craig won that one. That was after you did that set of 10. Oh, really? I was so mad. <laughs> I was so mad. But, like, he'll, he'll – sometimes I think he's just like, let's just make Patrick as miserable as possible and just assume that everyone else is going to survive too. Because it'll be like the, the same week I'll have a um, an AMRAP with 800-pound squat and then – was it like – eight reps with 500 and as few sets as possible, which is basically like just do an AMRAP and then just finish off the rest of the reps. And then like deadlifts exist too. Deadlifts exist too. <laughs> yeah, but you, I feel like you still push them like top percent wise for you. I still feel like you kind of, you rip a lot of weight. I mean, more than yeah. that, I feel like yeah. training, especially on squats. Leading into this last meet, you and Craig were pretty like neck and neck on everything. You were pulling more than he was. And then, uh, I mean, if you like bench wise, you probably hit a little bit more on the opener than what you did. Craig did a, a 562 for a double, and then yeah, yeah. I, I've never benched over 500 for more than one, dude. I've never benched 500 before in the gym prior to this last meet, and I've been hitting it in meets since like 2017. You know, just like there's no point to hit a big bench until you like you really need to, yeah, yeah, yeah. hitting massive, massive numbers like. 90% and above just it takes so much out of you you have to recover for like three weeks after it's like you, you squat like 900 and then you just coma for the rest of the week real let's do worse well that, that's what's... I did 900 double it was do worse my body felt like shit for the rest of the week and yeah. I still had to hit like a heavy uh 80% right after that and I was like just dead well that's what I think is so crazy about like like Jesus Oliveras like he came to our gym and he like Craig the most weight ever squatted in our gym prior to the this meet prep was like Craig did like eight seventy and then I pulled eight hundred in there once. In the first like week he's there, he squats nine oh three, no spot at like six o'clock in the morning, and then he comes in and deadlifts like eight forty eight or something yeah. like that, like the next day, and then squats nine fifteen again at the end of the week. I mean, spotters are only there if you fail, and if you just never fail in tra- training, you never need spotters. He was hitting weights in that range though for like weeks, for like twelve yeah. weeks in a row. Yeah, that's what's insane to me. You know, my body couldn't even make two weeks of that. Yeah, and I think so. I mean, either two things as far. I mean, it's obviously not a crazy like percentile for him as far as like a you know like a working weight. Like it obviously isn't more than his body can handle. So it's like his one rep max is way huge, or it's just 
you know, the, I don't know, how are the, the, the volumes set up on that program where they don't, he probably doesn't do a whole lot of accessory. I don't think after. he does a lot of work. I think he just do a top set and probably a couple back. And intense as fuck. Does the tonnage like trend similarly with both of those, Sean? Uh, I mean, if he's like Bulgarianizing where he's like maxing out, like, or like 90% plus, like multiple times a week, like there is not really tonnage to track because there's not yeah. going to be a whole lot of accessories that are in like a, the volume, like the volume on those is not going to be in a percentage range that is even worth like tracking probably. It's going to be mostly restorative stuff because you just pushed your body to the limit. I feel like he makes calls like on the day though of like he gets like a range of what and he's he, going to do. He picks. He well, picks. So, like, when we used to do like Bulgarianized like style training like when doing weightlifting or like even like before like it's you hit a top for that day and it's not like always a true one rep max but it's like you're it's at the verge of a form break it's yeah. like a 9 RPE and then you take like 70% of that and do like a three by three and then do some basic stuff like some hamstring curls and back extensions to push blood around and then go home. Right. But like, because you've gotten such intensity, it's kind of like the whole, um, right now there's this trend in like the bodybuilding scene of bringing back Menser's like hits training, his mm -hmm. high intensity training where like all you need is four sets of four reps on one exercise. But like, if you do real intensity time under tension with it, like, that's all you need. And you do like two or three exercises and you go home because if you push yourself to such a high intensity level in that window, like your body needs to recover versus doing lighter weight and a lot of volume, you can accumulate stimulus that way. And it's just two different ways of getting it. Right. And one of those stimuluses is also very taxing on other things like your soft tissue, right? Like a high intensity squat is going to put a lot of strain on your tendons and ligaments and the collagen deposits. Like you're talking about earlier grinding on your joints, right? And that's why you're doing these, myo reps like mm -hmm. i guarantee you when you have 900 pounds on your back your fucking femur and like patella and everything are grinding together a lot more than with 500 but, but so he's just gonna have fucking strong you know or he's gonna be <laughs> bone on bone faster than any of y'all for training so intensely you know but like there's not really longitudinal studies to show like what's the wear and tear of doing a five by five with 600 versus you know, a 900 squat, you know, twice a week, you know, like we don't have information. It's all just juxtaposition of maybe. I'd like to have him on here and just like, I was talking, we were talking about that before the podcast of like just getting like other dudes with like really big totals that no one just like really, like they're not like Instagram guys or whatever, and just kind of picking their brain and talking to them on this podcast. It'd be kind of cool to like, have like this same group come back and like have him on and we can all just kind of like pick his brain. And I kind of want to like, achieve like the zoo of like all the weird training styles everyone else does to get to the same numbers because everybody like there's general themes like yeah overload and progression but like everybody i've met in the last couple of years trains so drastically different yeah and like it all works for them and but the recurring theme is like consistency and training regularly and pushing yourself and not being afraid of like pushing yourself in your workouts or you know when you're peaking like not shying away from it you gotta like, like kind of know like what you're gonna react really well to too and then just do a lot of it you know yeah. what I mean? like that's yeah, you gotta whatever, figure out like, what you can recover from yeah yeah so like with that being said like and having that caveat first i the, the the biggest predictor i've seen of like high level lifters is is not necessarily like training methodology it's an attitude and like a decision of like i'm going to succeed and i'm going to do what it takes to succeed like as long as like you have adequate programming right and you're, you're hitting those things that work for you, your training weaknesses, hitting the basics like that. Like the difference I see between people that like really make it and don't so far is there's an attitude difference of like, 
He's real fired up. You can tell when he talks about like lifting and everything. Like it's his thing. It's his thing. He's yeah. real fired up. He's always posting like real like motivational, motivational Dragon Ball Z like TikToks and stuff. Like he's got that. He's real bought in. <laughs> like that's what I mean though. It's like for him to squat nine hundred every week. If you were to be like, why are you doing it? He's probably going to be like, why wouldn't I want to squat 900 every week? Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is what I do. It's like, that's what I mean. Like, he's, he was like really fired up to, because Ray Williams was going to be at this nationals and he was going to like, he was going to take it, take it. Like he's already done it, but it's like, it's like actually doing it at the same meet. And like Ray got How hurt. Is he now? Isn't it like mid twenties, right? Like 22, 23, isn't yeah, it? He's, he's like still so young for being so strong. I don't understand. 20, that's dude. It's insane. Dan Bell, dude, outlier of an outlier. There's people out there, and it's like you yeah, get you get hot. They get highlighted through this kind of stuff. That it's in like a, an IPF, like regularly drug tested meat, right? Like I'm not saying people don't get by tests and stuff, but like benefit of the doubt, purpose of argument. He's a young kid squatting 900 pounds regularly, and we're assuming drug free, natural. Like that just fucking blows my mind because yeah. like it does. Last doing that. I'm, is he a yeah. funny car or is he going to be a car that's like doing the Daytona 500 or is yeah, he going to be what, up by the time he, he like does the full zero yeah, the longevity of, of that? But like, I don't yeah. think he wants to be in it for a very long time either. That's why it'd be cool to kind of talk to him about it because, like, I, I think he talked, he's really into strong man. Like, he likes, I mean, I think he really? wants to ultimately transition into that kind of stuff, which I can already like all three of us can probably all agree. like that's not something I would be good at. Like, as far as I'm good in one plane of motion, like me, yeah. me and Kiko say this, like, I'm good in one plane of motion in a very specialized environment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got but- short and stubby legs. I can't run for shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, strongman stuff will work for me. My leverages. Can we, can we do a live stream on like Patreon or whatever the fucking live streams are and have you two box like Eddie Hall and uh, Thor? <laughs> Dude, those guys like it's about the same size difference and shape but like you know scale like like I'll thor is like thor. thor is like what like seven foot or whatever and eddie hall like seven is six foot and like, he probably lost like at least 120 pounds or something like he was like thor? he went from 450 oh, yeah. to like 330 i totally called that though that thor was gonna like win that fight by just using reach and like stick and jab but dude anyways I, I followed a lot of the the youtube buildup and uh dude eddie hall was like it was a lot like the stuff he was like doing to hype the Did fight he like get a tattoo that he won before he actually got the fight no like the that. loser had to get the other person's name tattooed on their ass and he lost and he was oh, like yeah. publicly being like this is has to happen and like i've watched stuff with thor and they're like oh are you gonna bring it up yet and they're like uh i'm gonna it's probably a little bit of a touchy subject right now was but, eddie gonna get th on one butt cheek and r on the other <laughs> Tor, or he could <laughs> T on one T, and then whore on the other. Oh, That'd be the Eddie Hall thing to do, I think. Yeah, but two cheeks. Get like a little spot on one, maybe. Dude, Eddie's yeah. already covered in so many areas, but like, I don't know. It's just funny to me, like watching like the cult of personality around. It's like I'm a real fucking London rock and roller. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna knock your block off, and I'm like, you're gonna get exhausted by somebody that's just gonna like. He's going to basically pull a Mayweather and just like point you out and just yeah. because he can just keep you at like an extra foot distance from him with his arm the whole time. I just think it just it feeds into the stereotype of like, oh, I'm a big, huge guy. I'm going to beat you up. I'll be the first person to tell you, like, I've been in like only fights from working like like bar security and stuff like that's not me. I wouldn't be I don't know how I would be in a fucking fight. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to sit there and say that because I'm a bigger than normal person. And like, it's just like that, like. 
that attitude they were both just like oh i'm i'm a good fighter this blah, blah, blah. and it's like they go out and it's everyone just kind of like shreds them a little bit about how they how they go out and fight or whatever everyone you have to be hyper fight like specialized just like we are and what we do yeah. to look to be super efficient and fighting it takes more than just two years to prep for that yeah, yeah. I just think as the person with the loudest mouth is usually the one to get knocked out. Yeah. It's the most satisfying to watch. Like, you, know, like, you, you feel least bad for that guy. Like, for instance, like, Ian, one of the guys that goes to our gym, like, he's a BJJ, like, black belt and, like, fucking deadly weapon. And he's the most calm and cool, collected guy yeah. in the world yeah. now. And it's like, you have the other people, like, I see him regularly when he's working security. And it's like, there's people that are loud and boisterous. He's just like, I don't even worry about it. Dude. It's yeah. like... But man, if you gotta if he you have to fly your own flag, it's not much of a flag to fly. Yeah. Bugisms, the book of bugs. Quote yeah. that. So Shane, how are you feeling about getting ready to start prep? 19 weeks out. I just took a deload. I didn't do anything this week, which probably would have normally annoyed me, but I like I loved it. I did a three by three of the main lifts two days out of the entire week. I didn't do anything else. And I got a massage and cryo today. And I'm gonna fire it up to start pushing for the next nine weeks leading into this last peak yeah 19 weeks out i mean that's still a pretty long time but like i'm i'm sure like you're the same way like you probably have like in your head structured out like what it's going to look like leading up to all that and everything you know what i mean because yeah i'm in a new um training cycle now greg's putting me closer to like a dumbbell kind of training cycle where instead of training three times a week i'm doing uh two days in between training sessions so it's like two to three times a week I don't know how I feel about it. We'll, we'll see how it happens. Dude, hyper, hyper recovery. You just yeah, need to yeah. like, I don't know how Brianna's, is she still doing your dieting? Yeah. You should almost eat more. Uh, I don't know. I would just like super take advantage of those days off. Like, I don't know about like regular massage and stuff, but like eat and sleep and just like, just recover. Yeah. Recovery is so big. I'll hit up, uh, Robert Kraft to find where where the best massages are. <laughs> That's not in Florida, boys. You gotta make a trip. <laughs> yeah, Sean was gonna switch. He, I mean, we were just talking about this the other day. I just started incorporating a lot of uh, good mornings into my training because uh, I can't get a third deadlift off the floor to save my life right now, and I just kind of crinkle over the top. So I gotta build that up. I have some like back issues and stuff, some herniated discs from a few years ago. So we kind of strayed away from it. Mm-hmm. and um i just started kind of getting those back in and to kind of overcome a lot of like that kind of stuff we were we would squat and deadlift twice a week in the same day and i'd always pull after squatting and we've done that probably last like four four or five years, years. Yeah. so it's like this is merging has finally scaled that back to just squatting once a week and and deadlifting once a week and i feel like a kid with his training wheels coming off of his bike i'm not sure about how i feel about that this has worked for so long but it's like like in my head, it's going to feel better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm going to be more recovered and stuff, but it's changing the stuff that you're used to, used to doing for so long, you know? You gotta love it. Like what, how much more progress can you get by getting an extra rep every set? That, that compounding interest is going to go way beyond doing an extra day where you could have been recovering and you'll be fresher, less likely to get injured too. I think that's the theme we're both kind of looking at right now, going from meat to meat. Like, it's just like, you don't have to have that crazy gung-ho mentality of like, I can't miss a day. I can't, like, it's just like, get in when you get in. yeah, get in when I get in. Like I'm already <laughs> strong. Like I don't, I just have to maintain. And like, I'm look like if I can add 10 pounds to my squat and my deadlift and five to my bench, I'll be like elated. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's the world record total. You know what I mean? It's not like, I just have to kind of just put everything together here. You know what I mean? But I don't have to get way better, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're like, 
less than 50 pounds away from the world record total. I just got to add like 300 pounds somewhere. Fucking Dan. <laughs> just, <laughs> just sneaking in somewhere, you know. Yeah. Little little adventure, a little on squat there. It's like I I I, I got to compare. There's there's no competition up here. The the next heaviest total up near me is like 1900 from 198 or but um in Michigan I, I, and not Michigan and New Hampshire or all of like New England all of New England I'd be Jeez. Carlos Moran yeah but um yeah I, I basically have to peruse through open power lift and be like all right where's the historical data where was Eric Lillybridge at this point so hoping to knock off his 25 year old squat PR get that record and have fun possibly I feel like I mean the way you're because like it was literally just like precision things at the meet that like kind of like held you up. So like literally like yeah. you squatted 10, 14 really fast. You benched, you know, six eleven really fast. So it's like you had a lot more in the tank. It was just oh like yeah, not getting to have the, the extra attempt at it, you know. Yeah, and I only took one actual deadlift. It was it was like the difference between college football and the NFL, basically. That's true. That's a that's a good comp, that's a good comparison. I think what was good. I mean, it's just because you were doing you, you were doing all like the. I mean, you did the the XPC finals and everything, but it's like to get to go to like the bigger meets. Just as far as like, I don't know, like you could you could tell like the vibe was like different. You know what I mean? As far as oh, like, yeah. kind of like you got to like elevate a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. You want to you don't want to be the guy to like not show up on those stages. And, but after um, you do one. You, they're so easy after that. That's how I felt. And you just like, you don't even want to do no more local meets, just big time meets. Oh, what, yeah. Like you just said, like, that's where your competition's yeah. going to be. That's going to push you to sit there and want to do more. It makes the training more. You have to bring it in training every day now, knowing that you're going against the best. That's how I look at it. Like, with, yeah. like, leading up to this meet that we all just did, like, I was in Craig's ear the whole time, like, telling him how you were going to fucking, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And then, like, I was messaging you the same thing. You know what I mean? I was like trying to hype it up between the two of you. And that was like, it's, I, I just think it's, it's good like that. You know what I mean? It's good to have somebody to kind of just like, right, I'm not, I'm not going to let that guy fucking do more than me. Fuck him. You know what I mean? I'm going to do this. I'm just going to push this out just a little bit. Is there anyone doing in, in the American pro in raps? Is there going to be anyone close? Andrew Haas. Yeah. Yeah. Really? But is there anyone going to like actually compete? And you mean not get hurt and pull out right before they got um, Philip Herndon, but he squats high. They got the – what's that one dude, the 275-er? Nam, the nam, nap, nam. Napping, whatever yeah, it is. Nam, nam, nam. Nam, nam, yeah. Oh, yeah, I met him. I, I was – I spotted one of his first powerlifting meets back when I was 230. Yeah, he uh, – because he, he would really compete in, like, uh, wow, RPS and, like, I, IPA. Those were the feds he's done. I like his training style a lot. I follow him. It's functional. Uh, it's very I like, like he does a lot of other athletic uh, development beyond just powerlifting. Yeah. That's more, I think that that philosophy of training is more sustainable. It's better for you overall, but it's much harder to sit there and manage versus an easier, lazier powerlifting. So that's probably why people kind of stray away from that a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he also has background in bodybuilding. So he's used to having yeah. a pretty high work capacity and doing a lot of conditioning work. So he stays like really lean most of the time as well. And so he, I think he's just more structuring his workouts around here's strength. And then here's like my conditioning and mobility workouts. And like, maybe sometimes they overlap a little. Yeah, like he was doing like you know track and field days and stuff like that before, and like going out and doing all kinds of different exercises. So, 
I, I personally would prefer most of the people I probably would coach the powerlifting. If you want to be just a general powerlifter as a hobby, you should probably train like that so that you're a functional human afterwards and like can play with your kids and teach a coach a t-ball team like in your you know mid to late 30s and but if you're going to be competitive in the top end like yeah there's going to be some sacrifices for general athleticism to be the best at moving a single object up and down hyper specialized hyper specialized yes. nothing yes. wrong with that and you're good at it <laughs> so i think that or, or under generalized is the other <laughs> way i look at it like, I'm, a, I'm a glass half full half, half full kind of guy here sean so I don't know. I get people messaging me telling me I breathe heavy on my own Instagram stories, just like from walking upstairs. And like, mm, I'm not even that good at powerlifting. Hey, I'm I good can't. at math. I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure you guys hear me breathe. I can't hear it, so I'm all yeah. good. <laughs> you know what I mean? My perception is my reality. Yeah. So I'm I think pretty sure the rabbit within a one mile radius can hear me breathe while I'm sleeping. <laughs> dude, I don't. You and Craig both with the CPAP thing, man. You guys got to get on that. Yeah, you have one? CPAP, no, I don't have a CPAP. I don't. I don't have a massage therapist or anything. I just just out here raw nice. dog in life. Yeah, I let raw. I kind of let life raw dog me. I just use my tears as lube. Hey, there you There's go. The system. Yeah. There's a system for it. Salty yes. but sweet. <laughs> Double salt. Double salt. Yeah. That vertical yeah. diet going. I need that. Yeah, vertical electrolytes. You still doing those salt shots before training? Uh, only in peak. On Pat's YouTube channel, he would have a very uh, systematic way of like leading up to the gym where he would be at home and he would have like a super salty little shot of water for the electrolytes. Pan to him either in his car, pan him either on the can, ripping the the rate, not the rate, the fucking Febreze, something else. And then it's like cuts into him like squatting 950. <laughs> i mean I, I put salt in my like i put a little salt like teaspoon of salt with gatorade in my pre-workout as a way to like she'll do that with our body armors yeah, at the gym. just so that, like yeah, i hold on to the water because like the carbs and like so the carbs and you know insulin response and then all the water and then the salt help you retain it while you're working out and yeah so like then also i'm not running to the bathroom every fucking 15 or 20 minutes working out because i go through like two or three of my hydro flasks things which is like a two liter full of water i'll go through probably easily six liters of water during an hour and a half two hour workout just because i sweat like yeah i don't i don't drink enough water when i'm training to sit there and put that back in i try i, I try it's to hard. get it in beforehand i was drinking yeah. my water beforehand but during it's gonna I yeah but for me like if i do that with the salt like i will sweat out plenty but then i won't have to pee because my body's mostly shoveling and retaining it and then once i kind of like wind down after workout right then like everything settles out I'm like okay and it'll go pass out all the extra water and yeah. uh, from the sodium you were holding but I, don't know, I feel like it really helps me with energy levels just training like having the sodium there you also oh, get yeah. a really sick pump and makes you look like super freaky sean loves his mirror selfies i take like one mirror selfie a month Yo. fuck you i you feel like the selfie chain flag is over here get me out of here right listen <laughs> listen <laughs> We weren't, all born, we weren't all born with a pretty face, so some of us have to make up for it in other ways. Hey man, I can't my face in first so no one can see. Yeah. yeah, my face looks like a bag of mashed up assholes. Hey, yeah. that's why we have beards. Everyone on this podcast can admit. It's like a... Uh, Makeup for men. Yep. It's not a beard, it's a saddle. <laughs> yeah. 
Dan Grigsby pulled 1025 at his meeting today. What? Breaking really? news. This will be out like two weeks from now, but yeah. Breaks Benny Magnuson's all-time deadlift world record. I didn't even know he was doing it. Who did what? Dan Grigsby pulled uh, 1025 today at a meet. That's it's he's oh, he's doing our meet in July. I don't know, I think he's gonna be full power. I'm assuming today was not, but I think it was full power. Show that's crazy. I met him at the at the showdown, and we were like all the guys that were pulling hook grip, like were preparing like hands and like little techniques and stuff. Dude, he's like his, his thumb was like this much bigger than mine. Yeah, like he has like I've never seen that. Like yeah, that. humongous thumb, humongous hands in general. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. He could yeah, hold on to that. That's in my hands. I just got like tiny little chodes sprouting out from my palm, like meat beaters, little little mushroom. Hey, those are those are bench hands, boys. Be proud of those. Yeah, I am proud of those. Those are bench hands. <laughs> Hopefully, moving the grip in helps with it. Yeah, I saw, so you moved yours in. I just moved mine out just a little bit. I was a little too cramped at the bottom, but I think yeah. it was more so. It's not. It's still going to stay within my 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 shoulder, like the range of my shoulders. But my arms are going to be a little more extended. So hopefully it'll be, you know, maybe a little less. I'll be cramped down there and give me like another half inch or so to like get from lockout. Yeah. yeah. You're also bigger now than when you first started pulling. So I would say like you have to probably adjust with how much <sighs> body you have to fit in between your arms and legs. Little little tweaks, man. Yeah. I don't even have to change a whole whole lot here. I just want to know Fine. if that bar that Dan pulled on is permanently bent. So those deadlift bars are super whippy. I just had this feeling that, like, I wonder if the bar was Cherokoded, man. If you sold it, if it was a Cherokoded bar, was, it, was that bar a Cherokee? It should not have. It shouldn't have even counted. Did it have that sticky? Did you did you have a problem with the bar at the meet? I didn't have a problem with the bar at the meet. I don't deadlift heavy enough to have a had a problem. <laughs> I know. Self shade. What was the problem with it? Was it because it was like humid or something? Well, even that, dude. So it's like people were saying it was hot. The bar was bad. It's Florida. Like we were all in the same meet. We all had the same stuff to deal with. Like you know, it is what it is. We, we elected to sign up for this meet. You know, uh, Dave, I would like to complain. I kind of got bullied into it. I mean, it's not the worst meet that I competed in. I once did a, a meet in Chicopee, Mass. That it was negative four outside and it was two degrees inside. Sheesh! Hey, shout out to Chicopee, oh, Mass. God. I'm from Granby, Massachusetts. That's about thirty minutes from Chicopee. If they allow you to wear sweats on the platform, at least I would pray to God, like you just walking around in a singlet and do see your breath. <laughs> yeah, you see the breath the whole time. Oh man! But at least you don't clip your balls when you're deadlifting. Full-on turtle shell. <laughs> Just grabbing a cold bar, though, dude. I've been to the gym a few times yeah, where it's like, worse. no thanks. You see, like, uh, Rogue had on their website for a while, it was a bar heater. It was like a little thing you would attach, and it was like it was like an induction heater. This would warm the bar for people that had garage gyms. Uh, I don't know. I just thought it was, like, the biggest pussyfooting thing I've seen in a while, because it's like, it's like an electronic step down from like the little like pad you used to put on there when you were like in high school. Yeah. Well, to me, it's like one of those things like all the people that have garage gyms like that or whatever. I was like, I'm so hard. I have a garage gym. I train no matter what. I'm not going to let my schedule or the world stop me. And I, show- now I need to have a, uh, uh, a warmed bar, just like a warmed toilet seat. 
biggest red flag I see is when people post more selfies than training videos. No, they and want you just to see the results of their work. They don't want you to see what went into the work. It's just, yeah. uh, you know, you know, a true master never reveals the secrets of his craft. So, you know, so we should all just get Kai Green Santa suits and just train in sweatshirts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know how many more times I can watch somebody move something up and down and just know that it's just a different number. <laughs> We were at the <laughs> like, like I personally now I'm thinking about I kind of almost prefer the selfie now that I think about it because everyone I watch them is like oh there's another fucking squat. Like, was, if it's not one of my people, I don't really give a shit. Like it went up, it went down. Oh no, they went back down. All right, that's hilarious. So that, one, like, that one didn't take as long to get that. that one, this one moved moderately different speed. I'm not sure if it was faster or slower, but it was different. Like and he well, did it twice. Oh, oh, we went for a fourth one there. Whoa, big spender. He said this four separate times, but we can't see that. We just see the first one. And like the ones that I hate the worst are when they're like posting training videos like that and you can't see all the plates. Yeah, I know. They're just posting the weight in the comments and I'm like, bitch, but are you doing it though? But are you though? We're in my. And it's RPE7. Yeah, everything is RPE seven on Instagram. We were in Miami uh, for the meet the day before we were watching the live stream, and Sean walked into the living room. And he's like, "Well, since we're gonna just watch this all day tomorrow, I'm gonna go watch Battlestar Galactica up in the room." <laughs> Battlestar Sean Galactica to watch good. like twelve hours of Battlestar Galactica for the remainder. Correction, of the correction, correction. It was not Battlestar Galactica. It was Stargate. Stargate. <laughs> oh. oh, Stargate, my childhood. I know. I've, I've rewatched all 12 seasons in the last three months. <laughs> like, it's close. There's to like home. 225 episodes, and they're all like 45 minutes long. And I was, that's been my life the last three months. When I get home from work, is fucking watch Stargate. How far after the actual movie does the TV show start? Uh, like it's like a two-year time gap, supposedly. Is they acknowledge it? Is it like yeah, two years between oh, yeah. the actual release, or is it? It's like more. It was like five years between the release and then the show. But okay. Yeah. So, what do you do for work? Other I guess I'm allowed work. to say it's radio frequency engineering. Cool. Yeah, but hyper focused. So, how much cancer am I getting in my brain from what you do for work? Do you think? <laughs> normal yes. uh, it, it's more of preventing radio frequency from overlapping it's uh, like we, the broader spectrum is making sure that your tv channel doesn't change every time your neighbor turns on their vibrator and what we do is we make sure that um the russians and chinese can't actually look at your computer from a mile away oh that's cool yeah I really would have a problem if every time my neighbor decided to masturbate, my TV channel changed, though. That would probably frustrate me more than them looking at my computer. I ended up losing 17 pounds after the ghost clash, and I'm like, oh, shit, I need, I need to gain 20 pounds. Dang, slim thick over there. Do you think, like, your body weight really, like, if it drops like that, it affects you a whole lot? Like, the bigger you are, the better you are? I've noticed that for squats and bench, if your body weight drops too much, those get affected the most. But deadlift goes up. Yeah, yeah. yeah Strictly just based on your leverages, you can get down to the bar. I think a little, you can get in better starting position. Yeah, yeah. That's the biggest uh, advantage to that. I think for, I mean, I can probably get down to like two ninety five and not notice a huge dip, but any lower than that, and then let's start going way down. I mean, Milanichev did uh, the twenty five fourteen at three sixty five, 
and then I, I don't know what Petras was when he did his, and then Dan Bell was 400. So somewhere between 365 and 400 is probably the golden zone, depending on how tall you are and your leverage is. I don't think you can be very t- – I don't think that Peter Petras guy is more than 6'2". I think, like, it's probably, like, right around, like, a 6'1", six 6'2", six range, somewhere right around there. I'm usually, Except like – that, that guy from Australia, he's, like, almost – I don't know, he's probably, like, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, how regal? Yeah. He's that tall? And he's got a thousand, a thousand three squat and a nine oh three deadlift. You wouldn't think someone with those leverages would be yeah, he's so big. Usually like five eleven, but after squats, I can be as small as five six. Craig says he shrinks too. Yeah. He gets under a thousand pounds, he feels like he shrinks. Yeah. I I I used to have to change my mono height every single uh attempt. <laughs> That's funny. I get like I'm getting to that way too now sometimes. <clears throat> it's all the spinal juices what would you equate that feeling to i mean every I, like i feel I, like I maximals like it's pretty relative for everybody like it's just gonna feel heavy but i feel like you get over like a like like 700 everything feels basically the same until you get to like some a little like north of 800 yeah. like closer to nine like then you can start noticing another another difference for me anyway you know what i mean but that's like just close to like super top end but the ghost clash i didn't have enough time to think about whether or not it was heavy i just i thought i think i had four seconds before i timed out on my first one and then is that that was before you sat there and told the spotters to go get a snack for the next one yeah (laughs) you went out and told (laughs) like you guys can go get a snack i got this don't worry about it i'll make it look easy too <laughs> Immediately red lighted and then just smokes it again. Uh, never doubt me. <laughs> never doubt me. Oh, my dad once said that a 315 bench is heavy enough. Now I do more than twice that. Best thing anyone can do for me is doubt me. That's all I'm saying. Doubt me harder, daddy. That's a t shirt. Doubt me harder, no. daddy. Nick Colt, that's that's the name. I should put that on the back of my next one. Doubt me harder, daddy. I wear those shirts, dude. I like it. Full power primal. That should be, we like do like a name for the podcast or Nick usually does a name for the podcast. Pat, would you like to shout out anyone? Talk about any future plans besides what are, what are we planning here? Come, come July. What, what changes are we going to make to the, the already product you had in February and, and tweak to July? And what are we looking to get here? Well, the the biggest difference between the Ghost Clash and and, um, the American Pro is I'm not going to suck this time, and I'll actually put up at least one PR, three PRs. So I I don't know where the ballpark is. Looking to beat uh, Lily Bridges' 25-year-old squat record. Um, Probably knock – someone just passed me number one bench in 2022 – probably do whatever Petras did and then actually PR my deadlift for the first time in five years. Um, 705, dude. That's like 320, 320 kilo. I'm not going that low. I'd probably do like 675, just round to whatever kilos, whatever that is, 715 and 750. And then go to the Kern. If I do well enough, I might just, grab the mic from Garrett Fear and call Dan Bell out to do the Kern, but probably won't do that. He's qualified right now after doing the meet in February. Yeah. 
I just think it's remember we were talking before you're like I wouldn't do super I wouldn't do a ton of meets a year and I like talk you into doing July and the current two now you're just like oh I'm good to go you're so bully you bully me oh, man. just encouraging in the most positive nurturing way you got it man build them up yeah get it I I, I don't know anything after the current I, I'm I'm debating whether or not we stay with the PPC because the point system is so weird. And then um, uh, JP prices me. They're they're actually giving prizes for the heaviest bench, heaviest squat, heaviest deadlift. So it's not completely. If if you're a super heavyweight, you go you squat a thousand, bench six hundred, and then like deadlift happens. You're not just going to get beat out by a bunch of two twenties who deadlift more than you. You know. I think that's what we've that's talked. What I did. Yeah. We've talked about it a bunch, like in DMs and stuff. But I've talked to other people about it. I think. I talked to, uh, it's like, I don't even know if it has to be like a secret release out there and told me, but like, there's something in the works for next year for a pretty, um, a good size, like total, total wins meet, a sleeve day and a raft day next year, uh, probably around the same time as our meet this summer. And uh, I think it's like, just, if we can just talk to enough people, and I think that would be cool to sit there and get like other people, like I said, like a Brad Crawford, or like the Jesus kid, or like, other big people on the podcast like that. And it's trying to just get everybody in like a central place next year. Just all do one big meet TV. You know what I mean? And that would be, I mean, as far as like, I, don't, I mean, after this meet, who knows what I'll do. Maybe the current, see how I feel. I'll be like four meets in a row. I want to do it, but we'll, you know, we'll see. And yeah, then, yeah. Uh, but for next year, I think that should be like, we can definitely get something going with that. Craig will be a little slimmer, a little fitter, a little, a little buffer here. Three, 308 guy <laughs> dude i appreciate you coming on this man this was cool this is fun just to sit there and for just having me bullshit and then uh always good we'll be seeing you in july here man for another another you. fun weekend of yeah. festivities what's cool is your days well your days before mine so you'll get to kind of hang out at the meet the next day i don't know what you're gonna be looking like as far as like wanting to be there and stuff but i'm driving this time not flying i got stuck in spirit limbo yeah dude Flying to these meets is probably like my least favorite part. Yeah. Uh, we'll be there in July. We'll catch you then, big guy. Appreciate you coming on again, dude. Barbecue in Virginia. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Party that whole weekend. Hell yeah. All right. That's that. Thanks for having me, boys.